Welcome to Accelerate Your Wealth, a podcast by Rebecca Robertson, founder and director of Evolution Financial Planning. We hope you enjoy the show and please feel free to leave us a review. It really does help. Feel free to connect with us on Facebook, LinkedIn and Instagram or head over to www.rebeccarobertson.co.uk or our sponsor, Evolution Financial Planning for regulated advice on www.evolutionfinancialplanning.co.uk forward slash podcast. Well, it's absolutely lovely to have you here, Susan. Thank you for joining me. Morning. Happy Friday, everyone. I know it's a happy Friday, but when you're listening to this, it might not be Friday. It might be a random Tuesday <laughs> afternoon or evening or something. Um we'll get Friday yeah, vibes. Friday vibes, yeah. I, I must admit, it's coming up to Christmas as we're recording this. Um, this is going to be released as our second week in January. So it'd be those sort of new year, new year vibes going on. So I really appreciate you taking the time to come and see us today. No problem. I'm, exci- I'm excited to have this chat. You know, it's so worthwhile. So, yeah, I'm excited to chat to you and excited to help the audience, hopefully, with some of our content. No, I, and I love that. And I love what Scottish Widows are doing. And we'll come on to that in just a second. Yeah. Um, but tell me a little bit about yourself. So what's your job role at Scottish Widows? A little bit about me. So I joined Scottish Widows about two and a half years ago, initially as a specialist um, to chat all things pension after having been in the industry 30 years um, chartered financial planner they brought me in to support our sales team but then here I am two and a half years later managing a sales team um, helping employers create their workplace saving schemes so huge chance to affect people's retirements which is what I'm really passionate about amazing and so tell me a little bit about some of your achievements recently oh so exciting um I'm a single mum and my daughter is my absolute world um, and so recently at the Professional Advisor Awards, I won, I'll show you, um, <laughs> Women Women of the Year, um, Role Model of the Year in the Women oh, in Financial amazing. Advice Awards. And well, we, we, share, we share this because I, I haven't submitted um, an application or like been voted or anything, but this was 2000, uh, 2019 and it's the same company. So it's professional um advisor right. awards and it was role model of the year as well so we're Stop, like matching, so matching. <laughs> oh that's it we're kind of spirits now we are yeah we are, we are exactly so um yeah that's... I love what I love what you're doing and I love your passion behind what you're trying to achieve with Scottish Widows yeah and I, I love that we've got that synchronicity that's wonderful and awards genuinely don't mean a huge amount to me but that one really did and I was able yeah. to come home and show my daughter that um you know mum the mum guilt that I sometimes face I know that all of us parents will face it is worth it you know your mum's out there doing something worthwhile amazing and so tell me a bit so a bit about your daughter what what does she up what's she up to so I think I, I can cover both ends of the retirement spectrum which is why I'm so passionate so my daughter's 17 She's about to enter the world of part-time work as she goes to university. So we have to have that engagement chat around pensions. But equally, I've got a mum and a stepmom who are both drawing their state pension, having both been hit by state pension equalisation, oh, where wow. they genuinely thought they were retiring at 60. And interestingly, my dad must have a type uh, because, or, a, or an age bracket <laughs> because they both they both had to go to 65 and 11 months before they got their pension. Wow. And so to me, having to live with what that's like day to day really, you know, I suppose woke me up to the importance of financial education, understanding what the state gives you and then understanding that personal responsibility for your own retirement journey. So yeah. I've got close female relatives at both ends of the spectrum, both equally important to me. And that's why I, that, that's one of the reasons I'm here today, really. Yeah. And I, and I can completely resonate with that. A similar happened with my my mum my um stepmom um yeah. my mother-in-law and uh, they've all got stories which obviously I won't completely share on the uh, you know public podcast but um you know I don't think a- any of them would be able to um sort of stand financially on their own two feet in today's society when it comes to the cost of living without either husbands or partners pensions or others mon- other money and that's not because um 
they were working to bring up the children because that wasn't quite the case in that situation, um, apart from for one of them, actually. Um, mm. Yeah, so then divorce has played a part in it for them. My mum divorced twice. Um, that That's affected. So I, I think we've all got these sort of stories around yeah. how women in retirement, which is what Scottish Widows Reports are all about, um, is affecting and we sort of like we hear these stories and I you know I know I do what I do what specializing in working with women for 13 years when it wasn't popular and wasn't cool um it was almost like frowned upon actually I got slated for it it was sexist it was at that time where it was still quite new so it was it was still quite like a sexist thing to do oh you want equality but you're going to go and have you know your girls clubs yeah well you've still got your boys club so yeah um, and it's actually now I'm hoping now it's evolved more into actually there's a lot of men that I'm coming across, especially in financial services that are trying to support the change and trying to be part of the change. And they need to be part of that. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So I think we've all got these stories, but it's like, how do we do something about it? How what actual things can we implement? And what I really enjoyed about the launch of Scottish Widows in retirement report this year was I was amazed, lovely to be there. So thank you to Scottish Widows for inviting me. Um, and obviously I had a lot to share on this subject as it's a real passion of mine but I love the way you did the event where it was was really nice really cool like velvet sofas and all that kind of thing and I loved the afterwards where we all sat down into groups and came up with potential solutions because you know we could I've been talking about this subject for 13 years and I know I, I read your report for 13 years I know you've been doing it for 19 yeah. and we're talking marginal gains like marginal yearly gains um and I love some of the suggestions that came out out of that sort of brainstorming when it came to well, what what not only can women do but from a policy change should be yes. happening um, but obviously we're not um, I'm not Rushy Cynic so there's little that I can do sitting from my little desk um, but I think you know sharing that message and having this conversation today is all, all part of a part of you know doing the little bit you can to make a difference. Absolutely and I think you know we, we've touched on this and there are, th- there are three main buckets of change if you like so we've got governmental and societal change, we've got employer and trustee change and then we've got personal responsibility. And that all wrapped up together is absolutely huge. But it's the same, like, how do you eat an elephant? The analogy is one bite at a time. So where do we start? So, you know, the, the financial services industry has to do their part in influencing government where they where they can or educating. And then providers, Scottish widows, can do their part on educating employers and trustees. And then we all have a part to play in taking personal responsibility for our own journey. And that's the bit that I'm hugely passionate about because the amount of free resources that are available um, in tiny bite-sized chunks, however you learn, would mean to me, you know, my purpose is that every woman in the UK understands her retirement provision. Yeah. You know, I know it's quite, it sounds quite big, but to me, we should be able to get to that point. And I really hope we do in my lifetime. I mean, it's interesting. I'd love to get into the port report in just a second, but yeah, just thinking of a conversation I had with a lovely friend, um, but also a client of mine um, that I spoke to yesterday, and she's had to reduce down her pension contributions because she runs a business. Financial crisis has meant that her sales are down, so she can't put so much into her pension, um, and so she's reduced it. And um, she's potentially selling the business. She's sort of doing a, a situation where next year it might be sold for, you know, quite a nice amount of money, not millions, but, you know, to, to, to every normal everyday people, it's a lot of money. Yeah. And um, we talked about, OK, what that actually do for her in terms of her pension provision, because she's very, very late in the day. She, you know, she's nearly you know mid to mid 60s still still working, um, but got this amazing business that she's worked really hard to get wow. to where it is a real sort of passion project um that's now worth something to be sold um she's got a state pension she's got some other little bits and pieces of an income but really that business is her main her main source and you know i'm reviewing the portfolio and looking at the attitude to risk and balancing it all out and doing all those things but actually it was the conversation that we had that gave her peace of mind and understanding that if she sold that business for x or she sold it for y what that would actually mean for her provisions and it's actually the planning piece it's not the product it's the the planning behind the product 
is actually for a lot of women is the biggest thing because they just don't actually understand what it actually means it just they just sort of see the money going and they don't really and they see the illustrations from the providers and but quite honestly though because you're not having a conversation around the amounts going in and what adjustments you could make or what it might look like to actually what you do need to do to achieve your objectives they look at that and think well I'll be working until I'm 80 then I'll be working until I'm 90 then I'll be working until I drop down dead then <laughs> because the illustrations are so blooming scary and so minimal and no one's having a conversation around the planning piece of what that actually needs to happen to make it more comfortable absolutely it's almost like we planned this and we genuinely haven't because that's exactly why we changed what we did this year in the report so knowledge is power with this stuff you know that i'm all about controlling the controllables but you're right percentages these percentages on these illustrations we are regulatory regulatorily bound to send them out we have to yeah however they sometimes create more questions than they answer so we can get into engagement later but we have changed the way that we've reported on the structural inequalities this year within the report so as you said 19th year of the report so we used to use the adequate savings index how much are men and women saving eight percent nine percent twelve percent whatever that looked like this year we've completely turned that on its head and we've brought to life what it's going to be like for women in retirement and that's pretty stark so we've used the uh, PLSA retirement income standards so they are a body who have looked at consumers and they've looked at their lifestyles and they've come up looking really at integrated detail you know what brand of TV people will have in retirement? What brand of kettle? What brand of car will they go on holidays? And they have put a number around what people will need in retirement against a right. definition of retirement income. Right. So they've got a minimum definition, a moderate definition, and a comfortable definition. So okay. to give you, I suppose to give you a headline, what the report showed us were that was that 40% of women aren't going to have enough to meet the minimum standard. So they're not going to be able to have, well, they're going to have to live on 50 quid a week on food and essentials. That's your minimum standard. Batman. Really? That's so that's, horrible. it's honestly shocking. Again, like you can't unhear some of this stuff. I was saying to you earlier, the more I find out, the more shocked I am and the more, the more obsessed I am about becoming an advocate for making change. Yeah. So, first of all it showed us that 40 percent of women are on track for a minimum retirement that's worse when you look at single mothers now as a single mother myself this yeah. really affected me 75 percent of single mothers of the 2.5 million single mothers in the uk are on track for a minimum retirement standard 50 quid a week on food no car and a long weekend in the uk as a holiday wow i know wow and that's far more engaging and I suppose action orientated than than the adequate savings index because it's just a percentage it doesn't mean anything these figures mean something yeah no and and that's what really shocked me when I first saw the report before the launch um was around divorcee women and single moms being the most affected now that's not a surprise to me in many respects um but what I that I did notice the the difference in your reporting on it, um, and this yeah the levels of what they'd have to live on and the standard of living, the income that they would have, that's what I found the most shocking, um, because I think a lot of people plan to carry on working, but they can't. And if, if you look at even at the moment, you know the, the sort of standard of living that some people over winter, the elderly people are having to do. You know they're not having their heating on all the time. Um, you know okay the government's done certain things to help where they can but um, and you're seeing people with rent going up you know this is you know so you think about it like the level of if you think for me I'm in my 40s you know if if you if I didn't have a roof over my head with a mortgage paid by the time I'm 60 there's a problem so those that are renting right now and they don't really foresee a way of ever having their own home and buying their own home so they eventually would have no mortgage and they haven't got to worry about rent then I, I just I just don't know how they could actually survive from a from a like 11, 12 grand a year state pension, probably another like eight to nine grand if they're lucky from a, a private pension. 
So it's talking about 20 odd grand a year and then paying rent. It's not, it's not, it's not possible. It's not, it's, it's not going to happen. Well, that's it. So the figures that we did, we did, so we did some median figures and the figures were that after um, property costs, net income for a man on average would be 19,000 and for right. a woman would be 12,000. Right. So that's after your property costs, but still a huge difference, 39% difference, yeah. you know, um, which is just obviously not good enough. And we have to make change. And where does that, the change starts with engagement and changing the language. In my view, this is not Scottish Widow's view, it's my view. You know, we have to start that engagement much earlier, especially with the um, introduction of autom AE 2.0, automatic enrolment 2.0, which means that... Explain to first... people what that is, because, uh, yeah. like, yeah... Of course, so quick quick history lesson, quick pension history lesson. Back in October 2012, automatic enrolment started, which meant that every employer in the UK had to offer pension savings vehicle to their employees. That took six years to implement fully. Um, and now we're at business as usual for auto enrolment, which means that in the example I'm about to give about the extension, everyone aged over 22 has to be auto-enrolled into a pension scheme where the employer has to contribute 3% of their earnings. Now, that earnings definition can be different. Yeah. But the key point to the extension is that instead of being auto-enrolled at 22, obviously we're going through, we're about to go through consultation for how it should be implemented. It's going to bring people in at age 18, which is fantastic. Massive. You know what's huge yeah because you then know? they're not in their 20s going what's this they're actually doing it a little bit earlier exactly and i'm seeing a real difference in the, the clients that i'm seeing that are younger um you know they they are they are women are women are that much more aware of their finances they are thinking ahead um yes. and i think they are, they are sort of being much more um conscious they are. You can't help but think that you know you've still got gaps in employment you've still got gaps um in insurance you've still got gaps in there for their pensions that then when they get to their 30s or 40s and they choose to have children that sort of childbearing age that that's when things can actually go you know slightly wrong and it, it, you then have those sort of knock-on problems so even those women that are doing well now weller than what you and maybe i were doing 10 20 years ago um I'm I'm guilty of this as myself. So my example with my pension is I worked for Alliance and Leicester. Um it got moved around. It was eventually with Zurich, ended up with. Um and I worked um I'm talking this is about eight, nine years ago. So I was a financial planner but non-investment. So I didn't do pensions and um but I did everything else. And it's sort of like pensions was just this other thing. Like it just yeah. I can't it was just this other thing that sat in a drawer. <laughs> And eventually yeah. I did actually look at it um, and I found like 40, 50 grand in this pension, which I was really surprised about because bear in mind, most of it came from my 20s income. My, when I, so not a huge amount. And auto enrollment was smaller back then. It was not, you know, it didn't really exist actually auto enrollment back then. But um, the amount that was put in was not a large amount. So yeah. to have that much actually wasn't too bad. And that's the other the other issue is that I left it for so long, not much is actually put in. So even people might be thinking, well, it's fine. I've got my pension through work. The question is, is actually even that sufficient? Because if you're only on a small income, it's probably not. Mm -hmm. And that's I think that does feed into some of the issues that come through from, from the report, because you, you've got women that tend to take more caring roles. So they might maybe... It's maybe more of a nurse rather than a doctor. I know that's like a real, like, I don't mean to be rude when I say that, but I'm just sort of generalising here. Or you might take a part-time role, not a full-time role, because you've got to look after the children. Yeah. Um, or some women just leave leave the careers because the childcare is so expensive that actually it's more cost-effective and better for the overall family unit. And then you see those women that are relying on, their, on males, which I'm partners, which I'm, uh, you know, all four, Okay, no worries. It was something that I never personally wanted to to do. I sort of held on tooth and nail and claws and feet and toes <laughs> um, to my career and my business when it was really difficult when I first started my my self employed journey, um, and therefore then if you come to a point where you're divorced or getting divorced, you're you know I see women in their fifties who you know have stepped back from their career. They can't just walk into another job. 
Um, and it's a really difficult transition. And then they're sort of having to fight for their family home that they've kept their kids in for years. So I hear week in, week out stories like it. So it's really great that your the report is highlighting this because I don't really actually know anybody else in the industry that is like banging that drum. Yeah. As clearly. And we and we absolutely need to. And there is so much that you've that you've raised there. I'll try and kind of pick up points in order. Yeah, go for it. So <laughs> the positive point the positive point is things are getting better. So 62% of women that we had surveyed, so in age 22 to 29, had started saving by age 25. Right. If you look at women in their 40s, it was only 34%. So things are moving in the right direction. And I think things will continue to move in the right direction as we go through the automatic enrolment extension. Right. A really good news story is everybody out there, if there's only one thing you do after listening to this, it is do what you did and try and find that pension from a previous employer. So there's nearly £27 billion in the UK of untraced pensions, unclaimed pensions. What do I mean by that? So either you've had a name change. I mean, I've had a few, but that's a story for another day. Um, you've had an address change. You've had an employer change. The average person, now this might change, but the average person at the moment has 11 jobs. So what I would say is make sure none of that £27 billion pounds is yours. You know, yeah. the government have a pension tracing service. Dig out any old paperwork you've got and make sure you at least know. That's your first step. Make sure yeah. you at least know where your pensions are and make yeah. sure you're not contributing to that number getting any bigger. Got it. Yeah. You know, for, for sure. Um, and then the last point I just wanted to mention was about the childcare. So we talk quite a lot in the report about the motherhood penalty. So that triple whammy of um, pay, pension and progression for women. So that career break doesn't just hit them in the pocket while they're off. It hits their pension contribution. It hits their pay. It hits their career progression. And something that I hadn't really thought about, um, again, because it wasn't my personal experience, I walked right back into the financial services industry after I had my daughter was a lot of women, and it was a fellow advisor who told me this, that they saw a lot of, a lot of women will go back to part-time employment in an industry they don't even have any experience in because it will cater for flexible working yeah and that has an impact on their well-being I didn't even think about that yeah. but that's what we do to make sure that our families are, are catered for first yeah, exactly. yeah and it plays through into divorce as well and I know you were on the panel when we talked about this again you know women could be to the tune of 70,000 pounds worse off through not discussing this at divorce um, pension assets but I, I know from going through it myself all I cared about was that my daughter had a house that yeah. her and I were safe and we had a home yeah um so that it's it's an emotional time so I'm so glad that you think what we're doing is valuable it's about bringing this conversation you know into mainstream because at the moment it can be quite taboo yeah well I know that when even I rock up at financial services events and I, I say I specialize in working with women like I still have comments now saying, well, aren't you just like cutting out half of your client base by specialising in women? I'm like, do, 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 is that how un, how you undervalue women? Is that is that it's half the population of the UK who are live longer than men and, you know, inherit most of the world's wealth. Yeah. It's meant to be in the next couple of years. I think it's going to be pushed on a little bit now, but um, it's meant to be owned by women. You're undervaluing that much that you think that I'm losing out. <laughs> No, I've got loads of clients. Thank you. Um, you know, don't worry about my business. Worry about yeah. worry about your business when you don't know how to look after women, and they're the ones that you're having to try and look after because they're a widow and they don't know what their finances are about, and you don't know to have a conversation with them, or they they don't want to talk to you because they've got divorced, and you, they just think that you're not going to be nice to them because you're there. You know, go play golf with their husband, and then you're not going to want to look after them in the same way. And you'll lose half of the, your portfolio to those divorcee women that are walking away going finding. So it's interesting because as a, as an industry, it, you know, I'd have to have so many people say to me, oh, why are you doing that? Because commercially, their perceived perspective is, is, well, yeah, women are less. So they don't they don't they don't need the, they, they don't we don't want to help them. They don't have they don't have they don't earn as much money as men. It's, it's such a so there's just such a skewed perspective in the industry about women in general or, or like it's soft and fluffy like you're just doing fluffy stuff the pretty yeah. stuff 
It's yeah. <laughs> oh, there's, a, there's, so, there's so much to unpack there, but there's two things I just want to pick up on really is I do think it takes a specific skill set to advise women. That's again my personal opinion, because you've got to be aware of all these things. That motherhood penalty, the good daughter penalty, which we probably won't have time to touch on, but you know the the preconception that you know mums and dads will be looked after by their good daughters when they you know yeah get I had my I had my daughter like yours I had my daughter will look after me yeah and mine definitely <laughs> won't I'm one, not even though. going to pretend that that's going to happen and um, but also as well there's a there's a real inclusion point here and I think that's what Kay you're referencing we've done an awful lot of colleague work on this about how to help our colleagues um one take advantage of the multi-generational workforce that we're in because wow what a, a gold mine of knowledge of people who've made financial mistakes and can help their colleagues and two we absolutely need male allies for this to change whether that be in their role as policymakers, down to employers down to fathers partners brothers line managers we need male allies otherwise this this will not change i agree totally so i mean i can have a rant and get on my on my um my my, my... <laughs> What do you call it? I forgot. I'm, I'm perimenopausal, so I, I forget words sometimes. Depending on how my patches are doing on the day. Um, um, what do you call it? Soapbox, pedestal. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, what do you think? In let's just talk about employers for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Um. What kind of things do you think change can happen for employers? What I mean, obviously, there's an education piece. I think sometimes when a lot of people in with large businesses, especially, they, they find it hard to engage with their employers around finances and their pensions because they just feel like they're ticking a box and they're just, you know, it's really quite, could be quite sidelined. You know, if they jo join a new company, I when I talk to my clients, oh, you got a new job, what's your benefits? What's your pension like? Every time they haven't got a clue. They know what wow. bonuses they get, they know what healthcare they might get, but they, they've not, they haven't got a clue what pension benefits they get um in, and that can be a massive player in the decision making right if you've got two two company offers and one is giving you 12% and one's giving you 5% i mean that's a huge difference um that that's that's that should be part of the equation but people don't just don't think about it so what can employers do to engage with their staff and you know maybe focus more around the general well the financial well-being element yeah, I mean, there's a few things here. So if we think specifically about the women in retirement angle, obviously extending their paternity leave policy or their parental leave policy is really helpful. And something else, and you'll remember this from the launch event, um, we are starting to see um, employers telling us that younger men want equal parental leave because they want to spend that time with their children. Now, that's a huge cultural shift. If I think back to... Yeah, it's fantastic. My my granddad was a butcher, worked six days a week, 12 hours a day. That was it. We saw him on a Sunday. My dad was a farmer. Pretty much the same. So yeah. to have this shift is monumental. And then obviously with the government introducing um, 30 hours of free childcare for those under five, I think 2025, that's meant to happen. That yeah. will also help. But from an employer perspective, for me, I would say it's definitely educating on the value of the pension. And what I mean by that is a lot of employees see the pension contribution as a deduction from pay. So all they see is they see um, their pay slip, they see national insurance coming off, tax coming off, pension coming off. They see it as a deduction from pay. So if employers can engage with good providers, like for example, you know, Scottish Widows have got a myriad of support on that to really build up, give them that dopamine hit. Yes, it costs you £100 a month, but here's your £100 from your employer, free money, ka-ching. You know, yeah. here's your investment growth, more free money, ka-ching. Here's your compound interest, more free money, ka-ching. That yeah, changes the conversation. As well, because people don't realise if they took that £100 and they wanted to invest it in, I don't know, Bitcoin or something that's much more high risk as a as a silly but unfortunately the reality example of an unregulated environment yeah. then they see their pension as like worthless I mean I even spoke to a, a very intelligent lady who's worked in financial services many years ago and she was like, literally like yeah my pension's pointless I didn't I didn't really bother with it and then the, but then she's saying oh the next five years I'm just going to put as much as I can back into my pension and I, I just feel like people have got a sort of a a misconception of actually what the point of a pension is it's meant to be drip 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 
but at the right kind of level so that you have that compound effect over time and then you're not paying the tax because if you're a 20% taxpayer that's not 100 pound in your pocket that's 80 pound in your pocket if you're 40% taxpayer that's not 100 pound in your pocket that's a 60 pound in your pocket that's it exactly and if, and if you think about it you know if people were, were betting people which obviously we're not but if you were your 80, your 80 pounds if you're on a match scheme turns into 200 pounds from day one anyone would take that yeah you know we'd yeah. we've done some work with engaging with young people really about this compound interest issue you know and how we can get through to people engagement who are going to be auto enrolled at 18 and the, the feedback's really clear Stop calling it a pension, call it free money or some of it, elements of it free money and put it on TikTok and make it 24 seconds. I mean, that is what you're dealing with. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, it, it is. And, and that's where like people don't buy products. They buy they buy solutions to problems. Exactly. They don't exactly know what the problem is. So if you don't know what the problem is and that's why I get women in there sort of turning getting closer to 50, like somewhere yeah. between 43 and maybe 50, 47. And they can that tick 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 time bomb is kicking in, and yes. they're like, actually shit. I better do something about this now. Actually, I better not buy so many shoes or have such fancy holidays. Maybe I need to shift, or maybe it's that the kids are a bit older and I don't have to then spend so much on the kids anymore. I've got a little bit of spare time. I've got a little bit of spare money. Whereas up until that point, I don't know about you, but in my twenties, I was just interested in having like several different pairs of shoes and several different types of coats and. I weren't well, really thinking about, you know, my retirement. That's so far. You don't think about kids. You don't think about buying a house, let alone thinking about your pension. You're not. I mean, I, I, this is, I mean, this is very basic. I'm, I'm proving my basic credentials here. But my saving was saving up my £1.50 a day luncheon vouchers from Equity and Law. It was my first job. Saving them up for a Friday so I could then mind-sweep the Woolworth sweetie counter. You know, that was my that was my approach to saving up at the time. And oh, how things have changed, you know. But yeah. that's what, you know, that's what you're dealing with. But in terms of what employers can do, to go back to your question, certainly um, changing the narrative, it's not a deduction of from pay, it's an investment in your future. And here are all the components, you know, most definitely. And also, it's almost busting that myth of that annual benefit statement landing on the doormat and no one understanding it. So, I mean, you know that we've got, and I know we've got mixed views on this because we have to meet people where they're at, of course, but we do have really kind of, we've tried to gamify pension savings. So really difficult and challenging, but we do have some brilliant kind of engagement tools that bring to life the annual benefit statement in a way people can understand. So yeah. it's about the employers putting these tools in their employees' hands because you know that an employer needs to get on with running their business. So they need a scheme that's got efficient systems and clear front doors for the employees so the employees know where to go with their basic questions. Because from your perspective, I would I would assume you want an employee to come to you with a basic knowledge so you can make the most of your time spent with them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't do a lot. I don't do any um, corporate. We would call that corporate work. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't have any clients like that, which it sounds crazy. I know. Um, but in some respects, you open up a big can of worms as a financial advisor looking after one big firm and you end up having a lot of conversations. And, you know, sometimes you you, you financially, commercially speaking, you might you know benefit well. But that means you're time away from at, like maybe looking after other clients because you're having to sort of focus on one big client that's giving you a fixed fee, for example, per year. Yeah. To, and you could some years have, you know. 10 more staff bought on board and therefore you yeah. have like 10 more conversations that are 10 times longer than do you see what I'm saying like it, it can of be possibility and, and I think that's where providers have a huge responsibility I take our duty of care really seriously you know we've got over 4 million pension savers and what auto enrollment did was it automated pension savings but there's lots of people who can't afford financial advice and we've yeah. got a duty of care to um, give people the tools and the basics so at least they can understand their pension provision which was my point earlier yeah um, I totally get that and I, I think that there just definitely needs to be done more at the lower end of the pay scale um, yes. and, and I don't have a restriction on who I speak to I, I charge a fixed fee and, and if they can afford unfortunately if they can afford to pay it, that's great I do have to pay the bills myself 
um, mm-hmm. but, um, th- th- and there are a lot of tools out there um, that you that are free. But if people aren't actually engaging in the conversation, people buy from people. So oh. it's, it's it, it, the employers of those smaller pay sort of environments where it's a caring industry or retail industry um, that are work taking on those sort of part time, flexible working kind of they, they need to be engaging more with their staff. Right. To get these women thinking about their longer term planning. Absolutely. And, you know, if I'm honest, a big big bugbear of mine is where at the, at the moment, if you're earning less than £10,000, automatic enrolment doesn't catch you. So you could have 72% of the women, 72% of part-time workers in the UK are women. Now, you could have a woman earning £9,500 in one job and 8000 in another job and no pension provision. Wow. But she, sh- I think they should know that they can opt into their employer's pension scheme and get an employer contribution. That kind of information, it's really important that we talk about that. Yeah. Well, you know, because they're missing out so much. It, it, it's, you're, you're completely right. But they would, like, they would do what you're, what you were sort of saying earlier on. Well, if I include that, that means they're going to take, reduce my income. And right now I need more income. And they prioritise that because cost of living, whatever um and often they're doing it to sort of just put food on the table like they're just they're doing those sort of two jobs part-time so that you know they can just they're living in that moment you know they they worry about tomorrow tomorrow kind of thing um yes we we need to sort of shift that 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 mindset and that that is a real society change what other things apart from um you mentioned sort of obviously that the employers um and obviously you talked about our own personal things that we can do obviously having this conversation and Yes. doing um their report um there was lots of other suggestions from p- policy and um uh, products that were suggestions mm-hmm. from the feedback after the launch is there anything that you think what has legs that since you've had time to sort of reflect and sit back and collate all the ideas that came together two or three were mine so i'm gonna see if you mention um well, well, it's difficult because there were over 100 ideas generated on the day. Yeah, but mine were um, better. Yeah, obviously, obviously. Um, there, was a, there was a cocktail pensions night, which was my particular favourite. Uh, <laughs> do more pensions nights and to have cocktails. So I was really, I really quite like that. That's I also bad, liked um, yeah. uh, um, Minister for Women. also quite like that idea. Yeah. But the ones that particularly resonated with me just because of my particular passion were early money mentors and more role models in the workplace. Yeah. Um, and that goes back to my multi-generational point. So that's definitely got legs. So there's one of my colleagues and I'm sure she won't mind us uh, chatting about her, but this gives a good example where her and her husband both work for Scottish Widows. The annual benefit statements drop on the mat the same day of the year. Hers is substantially different to his because she had a year out to have her daughter. And what she said was they had a conversation about the type of cot, the type of buggy, what colour the nursery was going to be, how long she was going to take off. Never at one point in the conversation was what's going to happen to my pension provision. So we need to use that type of information and educate our younger colleagues, meet them where they're at. As you've said, like I love that phrase. Meet people where they're at and ensure that when we know that we've got young women in our employment going off on maternity leave, that that is that conversation's being had. That's a real practical example. But for me, that's definitely got legs, you know, and we can we can I, bring I that out. I wish that I had that conversation with my husband 15 years yeah. ago when I was made redundant. I was a regional sales manager, 14 weeks pregnant. The recession was literally a like she was born in 08. So it was, you know, it happened in 08. So I was pregnant, made redundant. And I wish I had that conversation with my husband. We were more worried about, you know, how, you know, how am I going to sort of pay for my phone bill? How am I going to like have my own money? Like, how how's this going to work? You know, how am I going to sort of, you know, not feel like I'm a, you know, drain on the family kind of conversation. Yeah. It wasn't a, okay, well, you're earning more than me now. I've taken some time out. I'm working part time. Um, so I've got a gap on my pension. We're, we're going to carry on paying. So we need to pay into that Zurich pension I mentioned. I didn't have yes. that conversation with him. And we really should have. Absolutely. And that's something we can change really easily. You know, mm. another example, and this is only my personal example. Again, I keep caveating that so I don't get around from Scottish widows for saying things that I shouldn't in their name. But I've read some stats somewhere about um, boys and girls going into modern apprenticeships. And the gap can sometimes be up to 21%. So I share what I earn with my daughter. I share 
everything with her. She understands everything's transparent and she needs to be able to negotiate her worth from day one when she goes into the world of work. Because if that disparity is happening, we're, we're at a disadvantage from, from day one and we need that parity. So it's having the open, honest conversation about knowing your worth um, yeah. as well, which sounds simple, but it's not happening. Well, not when it comes Imagine. to money, there's a lot of money mindset issues around that. Like, mm -hmm being able to you'll then come across as bullshit or rude and I you end up having to apologize so I end up apologizing to people because I can tell they're uncomfortable I'm sort of a bit of a I can pick up on stuff like that and um and I sort of apologize to defuse it by saying look you know I'm, I'm really sorry I'm, I'm I, I can talk about money very easily I'm a financial advisor I, I've done a lot of work on my own money mindset coming from a relatively poor fat background um yeah. not that I was you know just destitute or traumatized by that but you know from a money mindset perspective it was it's it was something I've had to work on to achieve the success that I have now and I still have caps on my income I've still got work to do um and I end up having to apologize for my don't not I don't think it's that rude or direct but I can tell by their reaction that they think it's rude and direct um because people get really uncomfortable talking about money it's a huge cultural shift that is needed. I I mean, I would have had a huge row if I'd have asked my parents how much they earned. Same grandparents. Like, we just wouldn't have done that, whereas we have a really open relationship. And it has to be open because it leads back to, like, companies reporting on their gender pay gap and um, their gender pension gap. Yeah. We've got to have that transparency. And that's something I certainly believe in that we need to, you know, we need to fight for, absolutely. Um, the other One of the other things I really like that, we can definitely do something about is how can we make auto enrollment 2.0 a success yeah. and that is definitely again it's conversations these 18 year olds won't know anything about pension provision but that four that four years could make a 64 thousand pound difference to the retirement pot if wow. they work through to age 68 which is likely to be their state pension age yeah we have to get that message out there you know? I totally agree, but I like I do I do like that point, but I I like the the point about conversations with your partner. Um, yeah. because it makes me think that if you have that level same level of transparency, the education of understanding what the gaps and that compound effect at an early age is, and then you have the mindset to be able to have confidently not you know not a uh, aggressive or defensive conversation around money with your partner then I know a lot of divorces are due to, to the money conversation and resentfulness around money. Um, I so I, I think as relationships for women that we need to get more confident around money and being able to talk about money more um, so that, you know, if your partner is earning the main amount and you are earning less because you're looking after the children and there is sort of a disparity there with your pension provision or even like your, you know, your monthly outgoings, you know, he's driving around in a Jag, and going on holiday with his mates on holiday, you know, every couple of months, and you've, you're having that weekend in Butlins or something, and there's a real disparity, then you really like you really need to sit down as a couple and really discuss that because that will end in divorce. That will mean you're a single parent, um, and that will mean that you won't have the provisions for your retirement. Um, so I think it's really important for women to to, to be more confident with their money mindset um, and having more of these conversations. I agree. And I say this all the time. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power with this kind of thing. So last year in the report, it was overwhelming how many women were concerned about the cost of living. And they were also concerned about running out of money in retirement. And at that point, you know, we have to look at the basics. Right. So the first thing is tax relief. So there was a Maury poll done years ago about tax relief Um, higher rate taxpayers in particular. Uh, thought that the tax relief rate that they got for their pension contribution was 14%. You know, nobody really understood tax relief. So that's the first thing. The yeah. second thing is nobody, this is a generalisation, but in my experience, not many people really understand state pension and really understand their entitlement to state pension. So that's something you can quickly and easily understand, probably yeah. with a time a investment. Money of state pension, actually, if you top it up, it can be, it's the equivalent sometimes like over a 200 grand pension. If you if you have like full entitlement, uh, exactly. uh, relatively you know like the sixty seven kind of age, it's a it's a big equivalent pension pot. Uh, you're absolutely right, and I'm so passionate about it. Like I get too excited that HMRC have got an app. Now I use the HMRC app. Honestly, it's really straightforward. It tells you your state pension age. It tells you how much you're going to get, and really importantly for women, this goes back to the skill set and advising for women. 
it tells you what gaps you've got in your NI record because obviously you need 35 credits yeah. or um, contributions to get full state pension. But you're right, state pensions going up to 11 and a half grand a year next year because of the That's triple law. Now, so you're right. So you capitalise that up and you're absolutely right, you know. So that knowing that, certainly from my perspective, and I'm fortunate, I've got a, a good employer who give me a generous scheme, but knowing that I've got that 11 and a half grand in the background, probably to pay for my essentials, helps me to focus on, I want to have the comfortable lifestyle. I don't want to have to have the, the minimal one. And a lot of women won't know that they're entitled to that. And so that's yeah. another call to action. Download the HMRC app and get to grips with your state pension age and how much you're going to get. Yeah. Then tackle that 27 billion let's see if any of your listeners rebecca can find any pensions that they've got you know challenge for you ladies yeah do your challenge exactly go and get your pension statements out let's talk about the minute the pensions dashboard for a second i know it's not there yet um but just want to explain what the pension dashboard is so yeah so pensions dashboard should be a one-stop shop let's call it that it's probably the easiest way to describe it where driven by your national insurance number you will be able to see all components of your retirement um, journey not your your different savings vehicles but you'll be able to see your pension and your state pension and all of your different pensions wherever they have been but that's been stalled now I think until 2026 and I also again my opinion the shape of that might change a little now uh, bearing in mind the autumn statement chat around pot for life which brings its own challenges um yeah like how is that gonna work so there's a consultation now which which <laughs> will mean that individuals <laughs> will be able to say to their employer I've got my pension with Scottish Widows. I know that the group pension is with Aegon, but I want you to put my pension contribution to my pension plan with Scottish Widows so that I've got my one plan. That's the that's the theory behind it, and I get it because it's simple, but it's not quite as it's simple as that, that. as no, you I mean, know. That, I mean, that's why you know, I've got a client at the moment. Um, I'm just reviewing uh four pensions one i'm not i'm not one i'm not looking at because it's a db so defined benefit it's got a guarantee yeah. income, so i'm not touching that no um, and then the other four um are like in four different locations and she hasn't touched them for like 10 20 years she doesn't know what they're invested in what they look like what their charges are doesn't know anything um and yeah she it's, it's not a case of if she just rang up one of them and said let's just say Aviva, and said, right, I've got these four other pensions, I just want them all in one place, that the amount of work that I have to do to review the, the advice around that is huge. So I, when I heard the Autumn Statement, I thought, like, well, how's a regulator going to view that? Because the regulators at the moment has got advisors like me jumping through so much red tape that ha that, that, that process is not a simple you know, we're talking like six, seven hours minimum of my time to review those pensions in the whole regulatory process. And you're expecting providers just to flick a switch and that it's done. No. I know it's, it is very, it's very complex. I've got a few concerns about it. Again, personally, I'm a huge advocate of engagement. And at the moment, an employer has a workplace scheme. They've got one workplace scheme and they can work with the provider on that engagement at a scheme level. Yeah. If they're, if they're, potentially turning into some sort of clearing house and they are sending off pension contributions to all and sundry, maybe the top 12 pension providers, where is the incentive for that employer to work with the 12 providers to look they at the engagement material? They, they can't. No, it's impossible. Not, not when you're you're dealing with multitude of other things. It's almost like we're told to do the pension. We've got to do the pension. We're ticking the bloody box. What more do you want us to do? Then to add, add to that, that's more resources for an employer, which do they want to be doing that? And then the cynic in me, because um, obviously I was around, I've been around for a long time, but I was around at the beginning of auto-enrolment. Look how long it took to implement auto-enrolment. Six years to fully implement auto-enrolment. How wow. long is it going to be able to... How long is it going to take to implement this? You know, oh, so yeah, and it's going to take. It's going to take. A, yeah, there's definitely a lot. There's an awful lot to consider, and my concern, my main concern, is definitely around the engagement point. Yeah, well, I have absolutely loved our chat today. I know that we could talk and talk and talk and talk about so much more, and we've sort of covered like a, a, a massive 
breadth of um, different points. But what I really appreciate is you share, sharing in a way that is giving listeners things that they can practically go away and do because if we get up on our you know on our little soapbox that was the word I was looking for soapbox and um uh, you know have a little rant about this that and the other um you know we, we've got to sort of be empowering people to meet them where they are to go and do the things that they can do control the controllables I love I, I love that saying as well I say it a lot um as a business owner you just have to think to yourself control the controllables Rebecca yes like, can't control everything else can't control the regulator just do what you can um, exactly so yeah I've um I think it's a re- I've really enjoyed our chat today and I'm looking forward to your report next year 2020 we're looking forward to see what Scottish Widows do with the feedback that's came out and what happens yep. and I hope that other providers will be able to sort of take take lead from it and I think um it'd be nice to see I don't know like I'd love to have a female industry event so where you have i don't know top four or five providers like scottish widows coming together and hosting an event for women that's and i think amazing and we do have so we've got the pension equity group which is an across industry group which has just really been you know it's just started so we're that's really in the early stages but i think absolutely you may you may see that happen certainly you know i'd love to come back at some point we will do an update as we lead into International Women's Day, which is on the 8th of March, about what we've yeah. started to do with the feedback. And then we run in, as you say, to our 20th report. So I'd love to come back another time and talk about what we're what we're doing let's, and building no, what we've done today. Do let's let's chat again um maybe yeah. you know if it's in three or four or five months time or yeah, at the end of, of next year, definitely. Um well Good luck to your daughter with whatever she's thank getting you. into. And um, I've really loved to thank you for your time today. And if people want to connect with you, if they, you know, if they're a provider yes. or they're in the industry, they want to oh, connect with you. Is it LinkedIn? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn, Susan Hope. Okay, I will po- po- post the link in the show notes so people can go and find you. And um, it's over and out from me. And thank you, Susan, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Accelerate Your Wealth. For further help or to connect with Rebecca directly, please head over to the website www.rebeccarobertson.co.uk where you can find further information on our planner, book and how to further maximise your wealth. Our sponsor, Evolution Financial Planning for regulated advice on pensions, investments, mortgages, insurances on www.evolutionfinancialplanning.co.uk forward slash podcast.